0: Howdy, and welcome back to the Ben Nevada's Podcast. Thank you guys for constantly sticking in there with us, Um, getting better at this slowly, I believe, and so hopefully um, we will continue to grow, get some more super awesome uh, guests on. Uh, Last week we had JC Juice, talked about his story, um, becoming a professional soccer player, and this week we have... Um, Nora Moni, and if if I pronounce mispronounce that, please correct me. Uh, Nora is JC's significant other, um, and also that is that that's the way I know her. But Nora is definitely her. her we're about to find out. This is my first time actually getting to talk to her and meeting her. So the as y'all are learning, I'm going to be learning as well. So we're gonna find out who Nora really is. Nora, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, so my last name is actually pronounced money, just like cash or anything yeah. like this. Yeah, it's money. So Nora, I. Uh, I love um, being that I'm from the Valley. I love, you know, hearing the thick accent pronounced with my name. <laughs> it's beautiful.
0: That is super cool. I would have, yeah, I would have never guessed. I don't know why I said Moni. Money, money is, is, that's a pretty cool name there. Um, my coach's last name is Savage. And it's like people like y'all that just came away super lucky i guess it's, like it's it's pretty awesome um yeah so Noda, you before we started the podcast you said a little bit um you're from the valley and you short like slightly mentioned that and from the mission area um and then now so i guess let's start there you went to high school and and um how did you start your your i guess endeavor to become where you are now
1: um, so yeah, I went to high school in Mission, Texas. Um <clears throat> so I guess I started uh becoming an athlete. That that didn't that didn't really start in Mission, Texas. I think that was a a lifelong thing. So um I think JC mentioned in the last podcast that I have been an athlete my whole life and come to find out is that you know I've I've always wanted to do athletic things. I believe my mom told me, uh, I told her that I wanted to be in the Olympics with, for, for rope, like back when I was like five. <laughs> so, um, but I think being a chair in Sherry in Mission, Texas, I think that just promoted my uh, athletic abilities a little bit more, um, seeking personal training. And just, I feel like it being a kind of boring Low pace, slow pace town made me just fall into athletics more, and that was like the highlight of my days. That was like my joy. That was my happy place. So,
0: why throwing? I mean, that's such a unique. I feel like people see runners and people see, I don't know, maybe weightlifters, and that they, I think people know maybe the, the gymnastics. Not very many people know about throwers. How did you get introduced to that world?
1: Very true. A lot of people hear track and field and just think that it's literally just maybe some sprints me that maybe some hurdles and maybe some jumps. Those are like never heard, never seen. But that's OK. I, I should to throwing. actually, I wanted to be a hurdler. So I got introduced to track and field back in middle school where I wanted to do hurdles. But the coach that was supposed to coach me told me I jumped too high. So I was like, OK, whatever. I'll just go to where my actual like friends are and my friends were at the throwing ring so that's what that's what happened with me i just went to where my friends were and it ended up changing my life
0: <laughs> you you th- jumped
1: too high yeah so you know going over the hurdles you're not actually supposed to jump high over them you're supposed to just go over them enough to graze them and can, like keep your speed the higher you are the less speed you have cuz you have more like there's more time between you and the ground basically. Gotcha. So I was jumping too high and she refused to coach me there. So I just went to the throws and gotcha. ended up excelling there. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool.
0: So then how did like did you start with hammer throws or did you start, or, I, I, if I remember correctly, you are a hammer throw, correct?
1: No, no I'm okay. actually a dis- discus thrower. Discus thrower? Yes.
0: Very cool. Okay. So then my, my apologies, I think, I think we talked about Gwen Berry, and that's where I was coming from. Um, So Discus Throwing, and did you just fall in love with it? Was that what it was, or was it more of the community that you had with your friends there?
1: Um, I think if I fell in love with anything about Discus, it was about being able to succeed and excel. Like I, I ended up having a lot of success, especially while young. So like seventh and eighth grade, I was district champion both, uh, both years after just learning how to do the event. So, you know, I, I feel like winning is, is motivation in its own. So that's kind of what happened. And then of course I learned more, churned more, got more into it. And that was never the only like event that I did, even though it's my specific like discipline now. So
0: what else did you do as well?
1: So um, in middle school, through middle school through high school, so I started off, I ran the 800, I did triple jump, I did the 100 in eighth grade and ninth grade, and then I did the four by one, um, I did shot put, and then I high jumped at one meet, which was really cool. Um, but I've done basic event in track and field. It's just when I went to college, and became um and became my discipline so in college I capitalized on javelin shot put and discus
0: wow that's wildly cool to do all three throwing or like I think that's all the like, javelin discus and and what was the other one shot put
1: uh shot put yeah there's more I tried hammer and I tried the weight throw which is basically a 25 pound indoor hammer um but I, I didn't do I didn't do it like I didn't Focus there. I guess I just kept my focus to discus and shot put because they are pretty different
0: So, walk me through what discus is for people who I guess who who might not know what discus is. So you 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 step into a ring and how does how does all of it work?
1: So basically, it's it's like a frisbee. So it's for the females. It's a one point um, yeah, it's a one k frisbee, and then for for guys, it's a bit heavier and a bit bigger. But you basically walk into the. Um, You have the disc in one hand and you throw it from out to in. So for a Frisbee, you would throw from in to out, like inside of your body to outside of your body. For the discus, it's more of like you're slapping um, in in that slapping motion. So, yeah, you walk into the ring, build some momentum and create a rotation and then release a discus.
0: (laughs) So why did you decide to end up going with these three? I mean, so how does it work to focus on one of the threes, I, I don't know, do do people at this stage, once you've gotten into college and you're starting to throw more professionally, um, why not focus on only one type of throw and why still do three?
1: Well, I'd say, you know, at the collegiate level, it's more of a team based thing. So anything that I was doing there, it was it was for the team. So if the team so track and field, when you go to meets that are championship meets, their score. So for every event that you do, for first place, you get 10 points as an individual. Second place, you get nine points. Third place, you get eight points and so on and so forth. And the the scoring goes all the way to, uh, yeah, ninth place, which gets one point. Um, But I think in college, I mainly did it. It was more of a team aspect. And then indoor... There's only shot put, there's no discus. So, indoor, we have two seasons in college. We have indoor season, which is like starts from December and goes all the way to February or March, um, depending if you make it to like nationals and whatnot. So, uh, and then you transition from indoor to outdoor from March to basically June um, when the next NCAA uh, event is held. But so, in indoor, there's only shot put and there's only weight throw. Then, outdoor, you have shot put, hammer. Javelin and discus. So my discipline indoor was shot put, and then I transitioned, still with the shot put, um, into my outdoor events, and then just added along. I only did javelin my freshman year, but I added along uh, javelin and then shot. Put, I mean, and and the discus as well, outdoor.
0: Super neat. Are you still currently? I mean, are you currently competing out? Uh, I believe in Houston. Is that correct?
1: Uh, no. So I I'm done uh, as a collegiate. So right now I'm training you no know, an athlete. And getting, uh, you know, sponsorships and working on, uh, you know, becoming a professional athlete and everything that entails. But I'm still training the same way, if not harder.
0: (laughs) How do you start that process of like finding sponsors and things like if I wanted to find Nike to sponsor me, I don't know who you're who you're going for. But how does that process work?
1: Well, in track and field, honestly, it works on like it's like a rank system of how how good you are. I feel like you you're not gonna find a sponsor unless you are first of all kind of like known. So you kind of have to ha- be a known presence because what you what you are is a brand promoting a brand. So I don't like I I don't know how it is for other sports, um, but I know for track and field it's kind of like well, if you get seen, you'll probably get sponsored. But the only way to get seen is by being on the podium. <laughs>
0: so, and have you been successful in in getting there, or are you like getting getting close to that point?
1: I believe so. I believe so. My senior year uh, in college um, was was great, actually. So I, I think I got more uh, representation there. Um, but you know, I'm still I'm still in the process. So it's been a couple months since I've been out of college. So it's a it's a work in progress.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what I mean. So what what is that I guess and what what is your training entail currently and and how like how do meets work? So I guess two different questions. Uh, what does your training currently entail and and how does it different? You said working harder. Um what do you mean like what what are you doing currently?
1: So currently I'll have um about like four throwing sessions a week and then two to three lifting sessions a week and two therapy sessions a week. And then I have a prehab session as well. So I have at least four or five prehab sessions. So seven days in a week, I kind of put my time accordingly. The difference, I guess, now being a like a, a single professional uh, athlete versus being a student athlete in college is that my time was demanded in other places all the time in college from proactive meetings to or just advising meetings to class to team meetings, to uh, meeting with the nutritionist, to having just, like, team fun, having to be present for for this and that, or, you know, always kind of go. So I feel like maybe um, now I just have more time to actually work on my craft without that distraction. Even though it was a good distraction, it was still kind of a, a distraction from what I needed to get done because sometimes, you know, my time would get short, cut short in the training room, you know, with the PTs and everything because I had a team meeting coming up or just was busy Mm -hmm. doing team stuff instead of focusing on myself. So I think now that I have time to focus on myself, it's, yeah, it's just, it's it's better overall. What was the other question? Sorry.
0: (laughs) Uh, I forgot it. to be honest with you. If you don't mind me asking, how do you afford to be able to, Still do all these. I mean, that that's a hell of a lot of sessions in a week. I mean, just thinking uh, right now, I think I'm doing like four sessions a week right now with, no, four yeah, four to five sessions a week right now with in in the gym. And I'm just doing. I'm trying to also become a professional athlete. Um, trying to get into the world of weightlifting. I competed in powerlifting for a while. Um, made the team USA, uh, powerlifting team and competed internationally. Um, but now I want to move over to do weightlifting and. Um, so I, a lot of this is, is partly, I guess, more like, kind of selfish. I want to, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how are you becoming sponsored and how are you trying, how are you able to afford all of it? Like, the, the, I feel like a goal <laughs> in my life is like be able to, to not work and, and to, I guess my work would be my training. Right. And it's, it's so demanding and it's so much work. Like it's, it's aggressive. It's an entire lifestyle and it's you and you're the only person that gets like, ha- like is the person that's in charge of of waking up in the morning or taking the session to go work out and having that flexibility. um, But also having jobs is so difficult. So then my question to you is how are you able to to do all of these things and have all of these sessions and be able to uh, financially support yourself?
1: Honestly, I've been really, really blessed. And like, that's really all I can say about that. Like my, my, gym I have a gym membership um here uh in Houston and it's just like it was it was just a blessing to kind of meet up but it was it was paid for like as a as a yearly um payment so it's like not something that I'm, I'm worrying about currently or have to kind of do monthly and then um as far as uh, like uh, meeting up with the therapist or a chiropractor and stuff like that I've been just really less than fortunate it's not going to be like that, um, for, for, forever. Um, but as of right now I've just been really blessed, uh, in having those things kind of accessible to me.
0: So are these like, do you have like local sponsors? Is that, is that a thing?
1: Um, I, I've heard of that, but it's not my reality.
0: Okay. Um, how do you, how do you get there? Like, is it, is it really just as simple as, as asking, Hey, like, um, Houston chiropractic. I want to be coming to y'all twice a week. I can post a video of, of me here and a couple pictures, um, on social media per week. And, and is it that kind of, I don't want to say simple, but is it that kind of conversation that needs to be had or, um, have you, have you attempted to have those conversations?
1: Ben, I have no clue. (laughs) I think that's a really good, like that's a really because especially nowadays with you know social media being like the the promotion site for business, I feel like that would be a great idea. I might have to think about that further, but that no, right now, no, that's that's not (laughs) anything that I've ever heard of. This is my first time hearing of that idea. Cool. So
0: um, I guess the reason that I that that comes to my mind is when I was. First, competing at my my first Worlds um, in 2014, um, or even Nationals, uh, along to get to Worlds, I would go to local businesses and back down home in Elsa. And there were several businesses that ended up sponsoring me, giving me anywhere from $50 to a couple hundred dollars. And it yeah. ended up adding up so that when I, um, when I went to compete, I I mean, I was able to afford all my travel, um, living, um, any expenses that I had that I had while I was over there. And they were all from local businesses. And and in my mind, I automatically go to thinking, Oh, well, Nike is a sponsor that I want, right? Because Nike is the the bigger amount of of money. But I think, you know, it it could very well work that, you know, the, the gym that you're at, they're able to, to sponsor your um, your gym membership. And you're just like, hey, I'll post about you, you know? Um, and then you, it's not a direct payment that you're getting, but it's also um, a relief of a payment. So I guess kind of the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, that that's actually really smart. So I know like the Valley is really big on that. I, I, there's like several businesses or even restaurants that I walk into in the Valley and see just like a banner of somebody of like maybe their high school cheer career or their or their you know high school football career and it's like a sponsorship poster so i see a lot uh, more of that in the valley but as for out here that's just something i probably need to ask for or ask about or shoot
0: i mean even people in the valley i mean there's i think you know if we can find someone to get to do like get you a poster made or something like that. Um, get some posters of yourself kind of printed out and I don't know how many medals you have, like, and just like picture around them. Even though I think it like sometimes, um, as the athlete taking that picture, it kind of feels like, um, I don't know, for me at least it's, it's like I'm like I'm boasting or I'm being like cocky and it's just like, well, at the same time, that's, if that's part of the, if that's part of the, the, the game, if you will, to, to get sponsors, then, you know, like if, if you can go back down home, you know, some business owners that would be happy to have your your poster up there and give you a couple hundred bucks to kind of move <laughs> like do your thing. Like, I think that'd be super, super sweet. You know, um, and I think people from the Valley are, are I think more nowadays people are trying to support, e- support each other and continue to grow and outside of the Valley. Um, I think sometimes that's not always the case. Uh, unfortunately, but, um, I think there, there are definitely people out there who want to see other people from the Valley succeed. Oh
1: yeah. So yeah, absolutely.
0: What are your current plans? How, how, like, so you're training all this, all this much. Um, how does it work to, to go and compete? When's your next competition? And then how are you training for it?
1: Um, my next competition is in March. So I've had from my last and my last competition was in July. Oh so gosh. I've had, from, yeah, so from July, now it's October. Um, I've just been training. So off-season training is a bit different uh, than in-season training, of course. It's more hypertrophy um, and a lot more of, you know, fixing some, fixing things that were maybe like a, a problematic in my body from before, hence all the therapy and other stuff. Um, but I guess how my next competition is just being consistent and doing the same thing every single day with a routine. So, and my routine basically looks like, you know, wake up in the morning, like 7.30, do my morning routine, um, you know, spiritual practice, pray, um, get ready for the day, and then come to the gym when the gym opens, uh, do my prehab, take a little break, eat, then go throw, come back to the gym, lift. And then by that time, it's basically time to go to sleep and start over. Sometimes I have uh, like time in the day to edit videos that I made uh, in my training session, but from really, it's just a, it's a nine to five job. So um wake up in the morning, seven, get to work at nine, get back home by nine. Um, But I'm really done working by like six.
0: <laughs> Damn. So are you pretty strict with your diet as well?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm vegan right now. Um and I went vegan back in 2020 and was influenced by JC and then um, a couple of other people. And then also what also, like what also influenced that was contracting COVID um, in 2020. So I knew, you know, in order to get some, some of those toxins that are binded by mucus in, in my body was to stop eating, you know, dairy, stop eating meat, stop eating a bunch of the things that just help create and bind excess mu- mucus. Um, so yeah, I went vegan like the day that I, that I got COVID and (laughs) had like a juice detox. And after seven days I was, I was basically recovered and then I just stuck with the diet. But before 2020, I had been meal prepping, um, for myself all basically all throughout college. So I started meal prepping for myself consistently 2017, so much so that it actually became that, you know, people saw what I was doing and liked it and asked me to actually cook for them. And then it became a business from there. So (laughs) I actually have like a small business where I meal prep for people, uh, which is pretty cool. And that just came from, you know, me doing me, me being consistent and doing something good for myself.
0: That is super cool. Like the way things play out, you know, that is, that is awesome. And you were already doing that. You just get, you know, a couple extra chicken breasts or a couple extra whatever. And then now you have, you can sell them, for whatever you're selling them for, and make also also make a little bit of money. Pay pay for your own groceries, you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Damn. So money money meals—that's what I called it. I Actually, have a, a Instagram page where I basically give tips on you know cooking and how to be consistent, and you know what it takes, what you should buy in your groceries if you're thinking about having enough protein for the whole week. What you should buy if you know you're thinking about getting all your uh, macros and. Macros. It's called money meals money meals so my last name m-o-n-i-e and then meals i am currently fo- i'm about to follow you
0: right. <laughs> money meals super sweet all right damn those are some pretty damn good looking meals there ma'am <laughs> thank you thank you damn that's super cool so have you have you felt any difference with your your vegan um diet and what yeah you know, what are those differences i guess
1: Yes. And it's crazy. Like a lot of people kind of ask me, like, how are you a thrower and you're vegan? Because throwers on the team, you know, throwers and cross country runners probably are like they eat the most. We should eat the most. Throwers need to pack it on to keep the weight yeah. and runners need to have enough energy to go run 15 miles daily, you know? So, um, <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, being vegan has really changed my recovery and really changed how I, how I feel throughout the day. So I wake up, um, this is what I noticed back in 2020 when I first started it. And then I'll, I'll kind of give you how I feel when I first started and then versus now. So when I first started, I had corona, but like maybe a month after. Um, so like in August, I would feel very energized when I'd wake up. I'd feel like less hungry throughout the day, even though I wasn't eating like what I would normally eat. And my normal meal prep would be like salmon or some turkey Um uh ground turkey or chicken that was like the only type of meat or animal product i really ate i never had milk i never had cheese so turkey the uh, ground turkey salmon and then some chicken so i guess taking those out i don't know how this the difference was that significant but i felt less i felt less heavy even though those are very lean like meats those are very lean proteins yeah. but i felt less heavy and my recovery time was just like boosted so you know, moving forward now, I feel like my metabolism is better, my recovery time, like my healing process, I'll have like a a crazy day of training, right? And I guess the the type of day that you're supposed to feel sore. And I don't feel any of that the next day. Um, And I do, I do think that has a lot to do with um, the diet and the nutrition.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, Are you being like monitored by by a doctor at all? Or is it on on your own?
1: It's on my own. Um, so my education is in uh, kinesiology. That's what I studied in college. So I have a good background base. I'm, I'm learning more, of course, but I have a good background background base on like what I'm kind of supposed to do as far as like um, like the regulations for, you know, sports and, you know, dieting. If you're uh, if you play a sport and dieting versus you if you don't have a sport and stuff like that. And then, you know, of course, the my intake, I feel like I have it monitored by myself. But i could I could go for more uh, help. I had a nutritionist at at U of h who really guided me um on you know everything that i that that was missing. so I did have quite a few things missing, especially going vegan, like a couple of vitamins like b twelve which is usually found in animal products. Yeah. um so like i I went to her for advice and she gave me really good tips on, you know what to what to have like um to supplement what uh, my diet.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty helpful that you've you've already worked with somebody in the past, and so you kind of already know what to look for. And then, yeah, with, with the background in, in kinesiology, um, in, in most kinesiology programs, you take a couple nutrition classes, sport nutrition, and I guess, like, overall general nutrition. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you have the practical knowledge from working with somebody before, and then also uh, the book knowledge be, being in during your undergrad? Um, did you also... I don't know. Do you, what, tell me about your, your, I guess your education. I mean, I know obviously the, the, the undergrad in Kenese, did you also get a master's? I don't remember if I remember JC mentioning that or not.
1: Yeah. So I'm actually, so I'm in school right now working on a master's degree in human resources. And it's, it's funny cause I guess I've, I've just studied the human. <laughs> so went from the human body to, I guess the, the human brain. <laughs> um, cool. So HR has a lot to do with the uh,
0: HR so- is pretty neat. I mean, so I took a, I did a, uh, not an internship, but a study abroad, uh, with the human resources department, the HR department. Um, I just, I knew oh, I wanted to do something before I graduated and we ended up going to the Olympic training center in Colorado and we spent a week, um, at the, you know, we stayed in the dorms and we got like, I got, I was the only person really that would wake up in the mornings and go work out, but you got to work out in the gym and use all the equipment. And it was the coolest experience. And we got to eat lunch with all the, with all the athletes as well. And just watching, like being in there and like all these people behind the, like all the chefs behind the, uh, um, behind the cafeteria are all RDs and kind of look like every like everything's so calculated. And you see, the macronutrient breakdown and why things work the way they work. It was the coolest experience. And then after that, I was like, "Oh my god! Either I need to work here, or I need to become an athlete so I can live here. Uh, one yeah. of the two needs to happen."
1: That sounds awesome. I've never been to the Olympic Training Center. In that sounds that sounds amazing. <laughs> it was the
0: most fun experience I think I've I've had in like ever. We we also did a presentation um over uh, auditory and visually impaired athletes and getting them to join um, our sport uh, we, we we actually did weightlifting um, so they, a lot of times they think that they are completely disabled um, so they would need to go to the Paralympics to compete in that sport but fortunately because there's so many different commands um, either there's the hand signal there's the auditory the the ding um, so, even though you're auditory disabled, you, you can still, you can still compete. So that was a presentation that we, that we ended up doing, which was super fun. Um, would you want to go visit? I mean, do, okay. I guess another question. Do, do, um, track athletes live or get placed out in Colorado?
1: So Colorado is not the one for track athletes, I don't believe. So the one in, uh, California Chula Vista is where track athletes um, go. I actually have had a couple of friends that, um, either lived over there or stayed over there for a period of time.
0: How do you qualify to get to that point?
1: Yeah, I honestly have no clue. (laughs) Like I just it just seemed like I don't I don't know if there's like a fee you pay for the for like the dorm living or like it's paid through sponsorship by, you know, Team USA or what, but I really I really don't have a clue. So I'm I'm Cameroonian, so like everything that I kind of do is not like involved with with USA, I, yeah, so I compete for, for Cameroon.
0: Gotcha, okay. So, how do, I think a little bit, I didn't ask JC this, but how does that work? You living in the States and having residency in the States, but also competing for a different country. Um, how does that work?
1: So, um, basically, this past year, I got a chance to, to travel um, to Cameroon and meet up with like the uh, Olympic uh, committee and then the president of sports. And then like the, the coach for tra- like the official coach for team coach for track and field and stuff like that. But as far as like how it works, you know, living in a different country than I compete for, I feel like as, as an independent athlete, especially, you know, track, um, I feel like I can train wherever. So that doesn't really matter. I feel like where, where I feel, excuse me when i meet up with the team um though that's where you know that involvement aspect kind of like gets thrown in but um as far as training goes i don't think it really matters where you train as a track athlete um you could be you know from u.s and train in canada and you know as long as you're training you know that's that's what that's what matters so
0: so i'm mexican american and um native american if i if i wanted to compete for team mexico I could just go to Mexico, meet with the Olympic committee down there. And if they sponsor me or they, they decide to take me on as an athlete, I can compete for them, just live in the States.
1: Um, I, I'm not sure how it w- how it would work for, for you specifically, but I know that, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as easy as it kind of sounds. Um, you know, they have to, I like, guess, let me give you like my, my background. So with Cameroon, um, it was not easy to get a hold of people back there considering just because we were in, we're in a different country in a different time zone. There's things like trust that are involved that, you know, you, you don't want to get scammed. You don't want to get played out. You don't, you don't know really who you're talking to on the other side of the phone, what their intentions are. So as far as like, you know, going to Mexico, I'd say, well, first of all, it's like, well, do they have a team? Well, do they have a serious team or do there are the team members on the team sponsored? You know, how far did they, um, like, what do they do when they compete? Do they train together? You got to kind of think about um, the logistics and, and, and that aspect. And then it's basically like, if you're going for a job, it's like, well, are they hiring? <laughs> you know, you can't just like apply for a job and they're not hiring there. Um, but I think I, I have I actually have a couple of friends that compete for Mexico for track and field. And the way that I guess they got found was just by, you know, being on the podium, being so dominant in the sport in USA and then somebody finds out their nationality and then you know team Mexico gives them a phone call sends them an email you know finds them on Instagram shoots them a DM or something like that so I don't think it's just as simple as like or maybe it is but um I don't know I guess that's for you to find out but just taking the drive like to Mexico and then meeting up with people it's like yeah (laughs) I don't know I don't know how else to describe it but it's not
0: that is insane you you have to be elite of the elite to get invited i mean it sounds like more of an invitation than anything else
1: yeah kind of yeah
0: that's kind of cool it's
1: kind of, it's yeah. kind of
0: intimidating in a way but also pretty cool
1: yeah yeah and it, i feel like it, it also just like it depends who you know you know if you have somebody on the inside or if you have a friend that's also a, a weightlifter in mexico or the good thing about social media is you can make friends with somebody that's a weightlifter um that's from mexico and then you know communicate with them and then you know ask them you know what's their training like and is there a coach that you can talk to is there a mentor that you can talk to is there a a um a, like a team uh coordinator or something like that or a, a a sports liaison over there that you can talk to and kind of move forward with the transition
0: that's a good idea yeah. i'm definitely going to be doing that later today now
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: do you have a yeah. cameroon coach here in the states that you're working with
1: I don't I don't so I, I met up with the the coach for team Cameroon which he was really awesome he was cool but um I guess for track and field it you don't have to be with the with the team coach actually it's very it's not very common to be with the the team's coach um you kind of have your own individual coach or or no coach some people don't have a coach which is rare but <laughs>
0: so then I'm who blessed is, to have a who is yours
1: Um, well, he basically took me on. So, um, I was training, like JC said in the previous podcast, I was training with, uh, Gwen Berry and then her coach. So from there we just kind of, you know, formed a relationship and he was able to really help me out, especially through my, uh, like through the end of my collegiate season, um, and give me really good cues and tips. And then I guess it just formed into, um, I guess him, him being my, uh, one person that I would, like, I'll send my videos to. So I don't know if that would be considered a coach, <laughs> but I like, that's my consultant. <laughs> that's definitely my consultant. <laughs> so
0: how, I need to know how, how, do you get involved with Gwen Berry? And like, how does that, how do you meet, how do you meet her? And how, and how does that relationship begin? And where is it now?
1: Funny. I actually met her back in like 2017. I don't think she remembers. I barely remember, but it was at a track meet in California. Um, she had competed the day before, but she came to watch the uh, discus and the shot put. She's a hammer thrower, and hammer usually goes on the first day. So I, I met up with her. I think I took a picture of her and my friend <laughs> together. But, you know, later on, back in uh, 2019, they appeared at U of H. So I just started watching, you know, their practice and, you know, watching the coaching style, listening and learning. Basically, I was I would just stand around and watch their practice for like a good like three weeks. And then eventually started um, bringing out bringing out my implements and getting in the circle when they were there, um, and yeah, uh, I think that's how our, that's how our relationship kind of evol- evolved. And then throughout like the duration of like COVID, we we just became training partners because it was just like, well, what else do we do? The college is down. I'm not allowed to go to school to train. I'm not allowed to go to school to practice. I need to practice because you know when we come back it's not going to be like, okay, well, here's time to, to get better. No, it was just like, when we come back, it's season, So you need to be ready. So, um, we, we basically trained together for the next year and a half after that.
0: Are the mechanics similar? Like, like I think I would assume like working together, part of, part of the benefit is, um, you get to watch me and tell me the things that I'm doing wrong. And, and, uh, I get to watch you and give you some, some critique and some input. Um, it, what, was that the relationship like did, was she able like are the mechanics similar enough that you guys can kind of feed off of each other?
1: Yes. So in, in training in the gym, I think that's um, that's more of where we, we kind of bounce off of each other, get off of each other's like energy and whatnot. Okay. But as far as like the mechanics of throwing, we're both rotational athletes. However, I do basically one and a half spins in inside of the circle, and she does four spins inside of the circle. So her throwing technique, for just the technique for hammer and discus, they're not the same by any means, but they are similar in terms of, okay, well, how how is the body moving? Is it moving linearly or is it moving rotationally? So we're both rotational, so that helps. So then us both being rotational means – transitions into you know the weight room so in the weight room we don't we don't do classic you know weight room stuff the like if you see us in the weight room it looks crazy i have a couple of like youtube videos of like what what i do in the weight room as a thrower because it's it looks nothing like it looks freakish it just looks like we're in the gym like being clowns (laughs) but it's a lot of stuff that that emulates what we do in the actual throw so quite
0: sports specific Yes. So, I mean, you know, so I'm getting my master's in, in um, strength and conditioning and exercise physiology um, and we talk about having times where we're very, very sport specific and other times where we are um, quite the opposite, where we're very not sport specific so allow for um, adaptation to occur. Are there times where you guys will go back to doing your normal gym stuff or is it pretty consistently doing a lot of rotational things?
1: Yeah, so... Um, in the off season, we go more to like you know Olympic lifts. We'll do power cleans and um, snatches and all that other stuff. Um, but I think as as you as you know as as you transition into season, it gets more sport specific as as it should. But at, at, I think in like in the off season, it's more based on like okay, well let's grow, let's improve, let's get stronger, let's get better. And still throw and still maintain everything else, but really capitalize on the hypertrophy of every of, of the of the body and everything. Get stronger, get bigger.
0: What are some big takeaways do you think that you've learned from Gwen? Um, I guess training with her for the last year and a
1: half. Um, big takeaways is kind of just uh, like how how to emphasize like like being I guess, being present every single day. I feel like sometimes, like, being that I met her as a collegiate athlete, um, I guess some sometimes, you know, I would be kind of lethargic maybe at practice, maybe due to classes or due to, you know, just school or just being so busy, maybe only getting four hours of sleep the night before because I had a final or something like that, and then still having to turn up to practice. But I would see her there at practice, and she would kind of be, like, You know, game time, game face, game ready um, all the time. So that's one of the that's one of the huge things that I learned from her as an athlete is just uh, how to kind of be game ready every day. So there's a lot that goes into that, like the preparation for it all, like coming, you know, to to practice, showing up with. Um, you know, if, if you know you're already kind of low energy that day, will come to practice with something that picks you up, whether that's music or a coffee or, you know, a, your favorite shirt or something like that, you know, like something that will kind of lift you up and bring you to the energy that you need to have in a, in, in order to perform well every single day, because every single day is what counts. So I think the biggest thing that I, I learned um, from, from Gwen was to just, be ready and prepare yourself to go hard, basically.
0: I think JC also mentioned something very similar. is learning how to just be present, to be there. Um, and how his, at the time, his, his job didn't allow him to do that. It was always looking into the future. Um, I wonder if, if that's something that's similar amongst all athletes. Um, I wonder if sports is, is allows people to, to get into a, a state of mind that they are present that, and that's the reason that, you know, we're, we're designed to be these. Um, I think we're all designed to be athletes. We're all designed to move. Um, our society has not allowed us to, to like uh, tap into that. And now we're just sit down and um, more desk jobs than anything else. But, and so I think that adds to more anxieties, but the fact that we move on a daily basis and, and you move more than most people do, um in and, and sometimes i feel like you move more in a week than some people do in a month um yeah. it's like your your option your only option really is to be present cuz if you get into that ring and you aren't you're thinking about something else you could hurt yourself or hurt somebody else and like that being that being present is so, is so powerful
1: exactly exactly and especially because the risk of injury is there and it's high in everything that we do, like being in the in the gym, doing a, like a simple movement that we do every day. It's the difference of, you know, not being focused enough to know that your your knee is in, in the wrong position than it should be. And then you still go for the lift anyways and then you hurt yourself, you know. So being I think being being present and in the moment, every every um, part of training is extremely crucial. Um, but I think the things that we do, at least how we train, uh, how I trained with Gwen and everything kind of promotes that. And a lot of the things that we did in the gym were high focus. Like you could you, we could not do them if we weren't focused. Like there was, there was no possible way of doing it without focus. So that's just to show, you know, the stuff that we were doing in the gym was pretty unorthodox, but it was more than just the body. It was the mind and the body.
0: I really want to see some videos of what you guys are doing for rotational stuff. I'm going to look up your name on YouTube and, and see if I can find any rotational things because it sounds, I mean, it's foreign to me. So at the very least, it's it's introducing something new. Um, but I train a lot of um, golf athletes and tennis athletes. So like adding some of those rotational things, maybe not to the same degree or same intensity that you guys are doing them, but something that I can like adopt to my own training and kind of help my, my athletes grow in that world. Um, could it be super beneficial?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So my, my YouTube page is growing. Uh, So right now what I have up is my hypertrophy slash off season and postseason phase. Cause I just started doing it right after, um, my collegiate, uh, year ended. So I'll, I'll be posting more of the, you know, specific, um, in a linear, like plane of motion. So it's like, it kind of, it kind of doesn't make sense to do what everybody else does in the gym if we don't have a sport that is owned strictly in one direction, especially tennis, you know, having to do backhand and, you know, turn your body and then golf, the same thing. I actually uh, met a um, TPI certified um, trainer in, in the gym that I'm at now. And he, he talks a lot about that. And he shows me a lot of cool stuff um, that helps just with rotational athletes in general and, and being in and one thing about rotational athletes is like, you have to be able to bring power from your feet up to whatever the implement is, like wherever the implement is being released. So from your feet to your hands, but it has to go through like a lightning bolt from the ground to your hands and golf. Same thing with tennis. And you're not only do you have the racket, but you have a ball that you also have to hit with control. So it's like, but it starts with the feet, the pivot, and the, that motion is so important in tennis. And then likewise with the throws, we have an implement in our hands, so it's it's from the ground and it goes up. So it's like, if, if you don't have, if you're not practicing and constantly emulating that feeling, and I have to say it again, the feeling of it, if you don't have the feeling of it, then you won't be able to do it in your actual sport.
0: That proprioception, that feeling that, that, that understanding where your body is in, in time and space is so vastly important. And I would say one of the hardest things to learn as an athlete. And I think that's what makes those elite athletes Elite, It's they have that they can feel when their foot is off a, a half, you know, I don't want to say a half centimeter, but like they can feel when their foot is off angled in a certain way. Um, something so minuscule that many people probably wouldn't ever notice unless you like you, they really looked at it and took the time to be, oh, I see. Um, but yeah, like those elite athletes, the reason they're elite is because they understand where their body is at every single point in the movement and that translates into, I, mean, I think, into into everything that you do. It's like you become just so self aware of where you're at and what you're doing and how you can be better. And um, I think it's I, mean, it, I think it's the coolest thing. Obviously, I mean, I, I do it too. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's the best.
1: Absolutely, so, and you know what I about like the the mindfulness like in the gym? It only promotes that because, uh, quite frankly, our our sport. If you're if you're a rotational athlete or you play tennis or golf. Or you um, like gymnasts? Like you, you already have that in you. If you're doing the sport, you know you you, you really can't be a discus thrower without self awareness. It's not going to work out. You really can't be a tennis player without good self awareness, or you know, just having that type of proprioception to know. Well, I'm on the I'm on, I'm at this end of the court, so there must be only 12 feet to my left. How far can I move? You know, well, um, yeah, I think it's already it's already kind of built into. Us athletes that are rotational, but we have to continue to build it and grow it to to grow completely, you know.
0: So having such an intense sport, um, with a lot of rotation, something that's not normal for most people to to move in, um, have you had any significant injuries um at all during your career?
1: Ooh, good question. So um my entire life I've never had an injury thank God um however I've been hurt very many times I've been hurt and a lot of a lot of times like I'll go back even to like in high school I played I played like three sports at the same time and I played club traveling volleyball where we practiced in a church um so the gym floor was tile so I went from volleyball practice to running sp- uh, sprints to throwing to doing triple jump which basically broke my shins and i knew in my heart (laughs) and in my bones that i had stress fractures like in my in my shins and my tibia but i i didn't go to the doctor because i didn't want them to put me out i knew if i went to the doctor it would take me out of the sport take me out of the season and i wasn't having that so instead i just rested um and then competed whenever i felt good enough to compete um, but then, you know, later on in my career, I faced like I faced a lot of overuse injuries or I, I guess it would be called overuse injuries. But I don't I don't call it in, an injury unless I, I was, you know, in the hospital no. or I had to have surgery or something like that. So never had to have this surgery thing. But um, I have been hurt. And my latest injury was. My basically my body being misaligned. So I don't know what term to kind of call that now, but I think the way that I, the way that my posture was in the weight room, was it was not. I, I don't think I was training in the weight room with enough discipline and with enough, um, I guess, focus on my posture. So a lot of the, a lot of the my pathways for power were kind of instilled in a way where I wasn't in good posture. So it was just like, well, I can like my best like squat. I have a video of it. It was four hundred and forty-five pounds, but the way that I picked it up, you can tell that my power, my power line is kind of displaced. It's hard to explain it, but um, it's like okay. So if my knees are out and my toes are out too far, then my power is only when my knees and my toes are out. However, if I'm trying to do a sprint, my toes and knees are shouldn't be out. They should be straight, pointing ahead in front of me where my nose is pointing. So how can I Trans, uh, transfer that power through my posture. If it's not used to putting power out in that specific alignment, so that's that was my that's my current or that's the injury that I've um, had as of like lately. So um, that's what I've been working on. That's what I've been improving on, and now it's now it's better. But it just took a lot of decalcification in my, in my hips. Like I had basically um, overcalcification in my hip, my right knee and my right ankle because of, I guess, just how I was doing things and my body just was compensating. So I guess athletes in general, like were really good at compensating um, things and the human body is good at compensating. Your, your body doesn't like to be in pain, so it will avoid pain at all costs and it will protect the spine at all costs. So I think that's just one thing that my body did that Resulted in quote unquote injury, but I was just really hurt. (laughs) But now I'm I'm fixing everything now. But yeah, no, no, no major injuries, thankfully.
0: That's that's super awesome uh, and a blessing. I feel like not many people get get to have that. Um, Did did you say you squatted four forty five? Oh yeah, (laughs) gnarly! Holy crap!
1: That is crazy. Do you guys compete in weight classes by chance? Um, no, um, but I, I did do powerlifting. So that was like my one time that I competed with in something that like considers weight classes, but track and field, no, not at all. (laughs) Holy.
0: I I mean, I don't want to ask you how much you weigh, but that, I mean, 445 is just, that's a fat number. Like that is a, I don't don't know if people understand like that. It's a fat squat for for one, for a female. (laughs) Um, but just looking at your picture, it's not like you're, you're this massive lady. I mean, that's crazy
1: wild. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really understand how big of a number that kind of was just because like all of my teammates that at the time were literally squatting that, if not higher, like there was, I think the highest max for a female on the team was almost like 600. Um, yeah, crazy. Throwers, especially throwers on my team at U of H had some like freak strength and I was, I was just trying to, you know, keep up, <laughs> but yeah. And I thought yeah. I squatted I, I,
0: well. Shit.
1: Yeah. And I've never, I've never weighed more than 165 pounds to oh kind of put that in person. So yeah, like 165 is like the most I've ever, ever really weighed in my life. <laughs> Talk about a freak
0: athlete. Holy shit. You're squatting <laughs> what I'm squatting. I mean, I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> Wow, that is crazy. Um, so just because mental health has been a conversation lately, I want to ask you. And also because I think as athletes, we, we've, we can become obsessive about our sports to the point where like you, it's, it's so easy to be our hardest, our, our toughest critic. Sometimes, That we, you know, we look at our squat, we look at our and we, we can t- we can tell that we're just slightly ever so slightly um, not over the center of our foot. So then we're not. Uh, producing that that power, we're not we're not sitting over our uh, center of gravity correctly. So then, our our hips are shooting up too fast, or our knees are caving in too uh, too much, or whatever whatever that is. It's so easy to look at a video, know what it's supposed to be, and try to force like try to go back and be like, man, what could I fix? What could I fix? And then it's hard to kind of think like this is okay right now. I'm good. Because we all have this this goal of trying to be our best selves um, and the only way to become our best selves is by fixing the things that we're not the best at right um, what do you do in your daily life in order to kind of what, what is your thought process and what, what are the things that you do if you have any uh, meditations I know you said you, you prayed in the morning um, some things that you do to kind of keep yourself moving in the right direction and not get so bogged down by um, the idea or, um, I guess the constant critique, I guess.
1: Hmm. Good question. Um, so I guess I, I really had to do some self-evaluating and, um, basically put to rest so much self-critique because one thing that will not help like help performance and track and field is overthinking. Um, I actually had a coach that said, and this stuck with me ever since like high school. He said, if you think you stink, cool. because that's, that's just what it is. If you think you stink. So um, just kind of having a free mind, but I think um, in order to, or just my way of practicing that uh, was by focusing and picking my places to really put that kind of, uh, detailed focus. So that detailed focus, I'll have it in the weight room, and or um, while I'm doing my prehab, or while I'm at the chiropractic facility working on um, my body posture and you know fixing the little things um, within myself. But um, um, sorry, somebody just walked in. Um, but yeah, in the throwing room, I mean, in the throwing ring, I tried to, my best to kind of release everything. So all that focus and detail i have to trust that everything that i was doing in the weight room everything that i was doing in training is going to benefit my my sport so if i trust that that's going to benefit my sport then i shouldn't be worried about it i shouldn't be thinking too much i feel like there should be an alignment of uh focus but not a overbearing like focus. It's kind of just like being present, being in the moment and letting your body do what you've taught it to do. And then you get better every day like that. So some of the things I kind of do, I actually have um, a list of things on my phone. So my home screen is um, my rules, basically. So I can't see it right now because we're on the uh, podcast call. But one of the first things is talk to God before talking to anybody else. And that's just, you know, what I do to kind of be present with my spirit. And then being present in my mind, I, I started writing a lot more. So I'll write in my prayer journal and now write in my personal journal. And then I also have my training log put in every day. So that, that kind of helps with the mental side of everything before I even get to the physical. So I feel like, the physical aspects of everything should kind of be last. And they do kind of come in last when uh, you think about it. And I can talk about that stuff forever. Um, But yeah, so I go from spiritual to mental to physical. And then I feel like the emotional is just all around um, all of that. But uh, I I basically graph my days in in that way.
0: I like it. That is super neat. I I think there are some things that I can adopt in there. Um, I think writing more is... It's something that I've done, and that's something that's definitely helped me. Uh, you know, like you put your thoughts on paper, and then they're kind of they're kind of gone a little bit. Uh, they're less to think about because they've already they've they've come out. Um, so I think that's that's super useful, and maybe a tool that other people could use, whether you're an athlete or not. I mean, I think writing and and taking time to sit and think what prayer is. I think is really meditation, right? Um, and yeah. so even if you're not religious in that sense it's still a good mental thing to, for people to do in, in their daily life. Just take a second and think about the things that you can be grateful for. And, um, you have a roof over your head, you can feed your, feed yourself. You, you, you might have a job, you might mean it. And if not, then maybe you're looking for a job. Um, you know, like there, there are so many things that we have the opportunity to be grateful for, but we, it's all, it's always easier to look online and say, well, I don't have that. I don't have this. Right. Um, but taking that time yeah. in your daily life to to pray and to meditate and think about, you know, this is where I am right now, and yeah. this is a hell of a lot better than it was a year ago, or I'm getting better than I was yesterday. Um, little little progress, little gains. Uh, ultimately, is the idea, right?
1: Absolutely. And one thing that I found that kind of helps me kind of bring that to reality, just that you know, we're I'm better than I was 300. 300- to 65 days ago so I, I was like taking pictures a lot I was taking a lot of pictures of myself and not posting them like I just have pictures of myself of maybe one thing I did that day or one thing I ate that day and it's cool because um I, if I was doing that on Snapchat or even on my on my regular phone like Google Photos will pull it back and you know show me what I was doing up to five years ago and it's really cool like th- I think it was just yesterday it showed me uh or Sunday because Sunday is usually my meal prep day from five years ago today, and then four years ago, then three years ago, two years ago, I I was meal prepping on every single Sunday of that same like that same exact day, It was the same exact thing. Five years ago, it was salmon, rice, and broccoli. Then it was like turkey, like asparagus, and like something else, and then turned into like you know a bunch of vegan foods. <laughs> but um, Talk about yeah, and then like... another thing that I... go for it. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So what else? Uh, the other thing I was saying was like, uh, for my rules, I have something called ghost, so on Instagram or on social media or Facebook or whatever it is. Like, so I'm not on there so much. I have a, I have a rule for myself that is, it um, tells me well, how much, a, a lot of people pay attention to like their screen time and stuff like that. I honestly don't even know wh- where that is on the, on the um, settings. <laughs> I kind of have to search it or Google it. But um, one of the things I have on there is post and ghost. And honestly, I haven't posted anything on any social media site since like July or August. And that's just because like I've I've literally been working on myself without, you know, the um, acknowledgement of anybody else or really seeing what anybody else is doing. Like I'll I'll get yeah. on it if I have a message, a direct message or something personal going on. But if, if not, then I'm not on there because that that. I guess trans that uh social media can kind of put you into is not something that I believe is is very healthy, especially as a as an athlete who needs to be um mindful and present of where they are currently so that they they can finish that you know that season that they that they're in in their life in order to move forward. I feel like that gets missed a lot when we when we have influences of everybody else being you know having their perfects and always leveling up every single day and stuff like that. At least for me, it's something I had to kind of dial back on and just reevaluate. So I actually haven't posted on like even on the mill page. Like the last thing I posted on there was like from August, and then the um, on my personal one, the last thing was from um, July or August. I believe. So yeah, it's not only about like you know talking about it, but it's about doing it. So like right now, I'm in like the act of doing it, being mindful, being by myself, and everything that that means.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, there's a balance to it, right? Like there are times for you to be posting and doing that thing, but taking that break off of social media is just as important as posting. Right. Um, that's super cool. Yes.
1: yes. Well,
0: well, Miss Nora, I, I, I appreciate your, your input and I appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on today. Um, make sure everyone go follow money meals and, <laughs> uh, What's your actual Instagram?
1: It's my name, Nora Money.
0: Nora Money. All righty. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Thank you, Nora, again. Um, and we'll see y'all next time.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ben. Bye, y'all. <laughs>